0: Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft podcast. My name is Jared Katz alongside Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. What's going on, Richard?
1: Not too much. Uh, you know, the big hockey fan I am myself just got done watching that. Uh, was it Klingberg that just scored? It was Klingberg. I, it was. As
0: an hockey fan of the bunch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're recording this on uh, August 16th, so a day before the. Uh, the Mavs showdown with the Clippers begins. Um, I know actually, the I think it was the last, last podcast or maybe the podcast before when, uh, when we talked about that game a little bit. But do you want to do like kind of a quick, quick little preview of that series before we dive into everything while we're here?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm a little bit uh, nervous, generally speaking about this. I'm not very confident given the fact that I have the Clippers winning the title. But I uh, I mean this is probably the deepest team or combination, you know, deep and high star power at the top. Uh with Monstros Harold coming back and everything like that. It's gonna be the Mavs have to play A plus on both ends, which they've done a couple times this year and they have to do it seven times probably if they wanna win. I don't see this being if they win this series miraculously, it's not gonna be in anything less than seven games.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think um, you know, we we've seen the this- the defensive struggles all year, but especially, uh, here in the bubble, it's, it's been not great. Um, and I just think it's a bad matchup too. Um, you know, the Clippers, the Clippers are a great team that they're going to give everyone fits. I, I think you're, um, you're probably right to have them as a finals favorite. Um, so I would probably say I think the Mavs can steal a game, but I'll, I'll say Clippers in five.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I have to. I, I think most likely it's four, but they're, I mean, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are the only teammates to both make uh, the All Bubble team, and I mean, kind of go as far as your stars carry you sometimes. As long as at least you get some production from other players, uh, and so I think that they could steal a game in there if they just play. Both of them have the game of their lives, which they've kind of been doing together in the bubble. So.
0: Yeah, and also if if the Mavs can start knocking down some of these open shots that they they were hitting early in the season pretty consistently, then I think they can make this you know a series. And and I, I actually don't think any game will, will end up being a blowout. I think the Mavs are going to stay relatively close mo- most games. Um, but there's just too much firepower in uh, in LA. You know they got guys who can take turns guarding Doncic between Kawhi and Paul George and um, you know Morris. Like you know they, they just got. It's a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup.
1: <laughs> hey, like you said though, with the threes, I mean, uh, a wise man once told me, you know, they're due.
0: <laughs> they are due. They are due. Um, so if, if the Mavs lose, does that pretty much guarantee them the 18th pick in the draft?
1: Oh, yeah, no, they already got it. Already oh, it's, got it. it's
0: clinched regardless? Yep. Okay, so we know that the Mavs are going to be picking 18 and 31. Uh, and we're actually going to be talking about a couple different players that could possibly be available at 18. Um, one more likely than another. Um, and uh, and those two guys are going to be Sadiq Bey and Tyrese Maxey. Um, so do you want to start with Bay?
1: Yeah, let's, let's go right into him. I actually just posted a uh, scouting report, I think this morning or last night on him. So this is pretty fresh for me.
0: <laughs> and where can we find that scouting report?
1: Uh, at MavsDraft.com. I know it comes as a surprise to many.
0: <laughs> well, I say that because I know you're, you're also writing some stuff for, um, for SI right now. Uh, you just dropped your new, uh, Your new big board, right?
1: Yeah,
0: so
1: Mavs. Mavs specific.
0: Mavs specific. A
1: little bit out of order compared to it, but like, I mean, guys like Tyrese Maxey are lower on the Mavs board than on the general board just because of the lack of a need for a guard compared to a wing. So wings get, you know, priority essentially on that.
0: Gotcha. I actually did read it. Um, Good read. Make sure you check that out as well. Um, Is it pinned on your Twitter at the moment?
1: Yeah right now
0: okay perfect so go to his twitter at mavs draft uh check that pin link at the top uh, and you will see that and then go to mavsdraft.com to get uh, the full scouting report on Sadiq Bay. but I think we're gonna kind of dive into him right here so I got him at 6'8 216 I don't have a wingspan on him but we'll talk about that in a minute 21 years old as a sophomore uh this past season in 31 games Played about 34 minutes a game, uh, hit about 48% of his shots on 12 shots a game, hit 45% of his threes on five and a half attempts per game, uh, 77% of his free throws on three attempts per game, uh, and slash 16 points, five rebounds, two and a half assists, just under a steal, and a half block per game. Uh, so pretty decent numbers. That uh, that shooting number really jumps out at me, though, the, the three-point shooting. 45 percent on five and a half threes a game
1: yeah it's it's huge and that's the big selling
0: point i mean it's
1: that stuff doesn't grow on trees He can shoot over defenses really easily uh, and i mean my favorite thing about his shot is just how quick his feet are uh you know the release itself isn't necessarily the quickest but it's a high release he's six eight and his feet are quick that's an incredible combination that i think translates pretty easily
0: yeah for sure um do you, do you have any extra background information on him before we kind of get into things? I am meant to ask that.
1: No, I I don't really. Uh, I know he's kind of a late bloomer. Um, as like a junior, I think in high school, he averaged only 16 points a game, which I say only, but like I mean, for juniors that go to Villanova, it's pretty low. Right. Um, but he is, like I said, he's a late bloomer. You can look at his year-over-year year stats at his two years at Villanova and just see the explosion that he had. Um, he's just... He's not going to keep, I don't think he's one of those guys that keeps going into a, you know, full on explosion, but, uh, he is kind of what he is now, you know?
0: Yeah. And he, he, doubled his scoring total going from eight to 16 points a game, uh, on about twice as many shots as well. kept, kept this, well, actually he got more efficient, um, you know, both from the field, the line and three points. So, so definitely good, um, you know, good numbers to monitor there. So, um, do you have Sadiq listed as more of a wing or more of a forward?
1: I've got him as almost a pure three that can play up or play down depending on the lineup. I think he's one of those guys that is a perfect, like, I don't I don't really like using positions anymore. Uh, on my big boards, you'll see, I mean, I've been doing it since I started wing guard big. Um,
0: like, I just, I don't see a position
1: that he plays per, more perfectly than the three.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. I, I think... I would much rather have him playing up to a four. Uh, I think there, there could be some, some major problems with him playing down at the two. Um, But, um, you know, definitely settles more into that, you know, traditional three, but, but could be a combo forward to me. So, um, all right, so let's, let's get into the evaluation. So, um, I, I want to talk about him athletically for a minute. Um, so, so what do you, how, how would you consider Sadiq a, as an overall athlete?
1: So for the NBA, you know, a lot of six, eight guys are, that's generally some of the most explosive players in the league. Um, for him, it's, it's quite the opposite. He's really just not strong athletically, uh, especially taking it to the basket. I think it affects his offense more than his defense personally. Uh, but it does affect his defense as well, but on offense, you know, he doesn't have a, First step. I mean, he's not going to ever really create separation, I don't think, on the drive from his athleticism. Uh, and finishing over defenders on the drive is really difficult. That's where he gets blocked, you know, more than anywhere else on the court. He can post up, but, uh, you know, that's where he's getting blocked on the drive because of his limited athleticism. Uh, defensively, he can get burned by quicker players, which I think is, I'm assuming that's why you said you prefer him to play up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, like, if, if he were playing against a team like the Mavericks or, or like the Clippers, let's use the Clippers as an example. And he were playing down to, to the two. And he were guarding like a Lou Williams type of player. I think that would give him some trouble. Like he understands how to use his length. Um, but, and I think he's relatively fluid, but I don't think he's got quick feet. Um, and, and you, you, you really see it the most honestly in his first step with the ball. Um, and, and you talked about it, it kind of hinders his ability to drive the ball as a result and kind of create his own shot. Um, but I, I do also think you kind of see it when he's trying to move laterally against quicker guards. I, I don't think he, I don't think he can get there and, and he has good length, but I don't think he has outlier length. Like, um, um, What's his name? I'm blanking. Uh, kind of like a like a Patrick Williams. Yeah. Like like or, or like a Paul oh. Reed. Like those guys have outlier length yeah. in me. Um. So D. Probably he's got a plus wingspan, but it's it's not.
1: It's probably what six ten? You would say? Would you say? Yeah.
0: Probably- yeah. Like, that, that would there. be my guess. Um, and because of that, you know, he's not able to to recover as well, D- despite being a high energy player, which I think he is.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I remember one of the games I watched for Bay because I that was like one of the things I noticed was after he was advertised as this incredible switchable uh, one through four guy that I, I never saw in the first place. But I kind of went back and watched uh, against Quinn and Rose of Temple, who has an insane first step every single time he was gone. I mean, it was like he does that to a lot of players, but he torched Bay, which I thought somehow didn't get enough uh, scrutiny. But uh yeah, I mean it's it's the first step is just brutal to watch. Yeah. If someone has fighting first step, he's getting torched.
0: Yeah, and Marcus Howard was giving him some trouble well. Yep. I was watching the Marquette game and look, Marcus Howard gave everyone trouble. He averaged twenty-seven points a game. But, you know, if we're talking about a guy that we're you know, we're considering a high caliber NBA defender and he can't lock down a five ten point guard, um, you know, the the quickness issues are real. Now, having said that Uh, I don't think it's all terrible because I, you know, he's got the, the NBA ready frame, like the muscle definition and he can absolutely handle guarding three and four. And I think some twos, I I wouldn't call him a 1000% capable two through four defender, but I think there are definitely some twos that, um, that he could give fits, uh, you know, depending on, on how their game is played. Like, Again, I'll I'll go back to the Clippers. I I think he would have a much easier time. I'm not going to say that. I I think he's a better matchup for a guy like Paul George than a Lou Williams. You know, and obviously Paul George is an elite scorer. But that type of player, kind of the bigger bigger two who doesn't just rely on his his quicks to get by defenders.
1: Yeah, there's someone who I was thinking of that I feel like is a good barometer. And I may just be off on where I am, where I stand with this guy, but... Do you think he could stay with, and I'm not saying lock up or prevent from scoring, but stay with DeMar DeRozan? Yeah, I think so. I that's think what I, so. I think he's, but, like, on average, right? Like, that's the line for me. It's like, if he's faster than DeMar, he may struggle. If he's slower slower or equal, like, he'll be fine. That's
0: right. what I think. Right. Right. I, I'm in agreement there. I'm in agreement. Um, So so let's stay on the defense while we're here. Um, So so what what do you what do you like about his his on ball defense?
1: So, I think he's pretty disciplined, I would say. Uh, you know, he doesn't really make bad decisions. Um, but i I just like how he he kind of reads uh, ball handlers just well, I guess is how I would say you know he he has good instincts and fundamentals on that end and and it really complements his size.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And I think he does a good job of kind of sitting down in his stance yep. and, and you said it best staying disciplined. And I would, I would take that and and apply to his off ball defense as well. Um, you know, he only averaged again under a steal and half a block per game, but I don't think it was for lack of anticipation. I, I think it was, he's not a gambler. Um, which is fine. You know, I, I don't need someone who's going to be playing the passing lanes constantly and trying to, to get steals and run the other way with it, as long as they're in the right position. And I think he, he rotated pretty well defensively. You know, there were times I saw him help down from the weak side against the pick and roll and, and take away the dive. Um, so I, I, I think he'll, I think he, he has good upside as an all around defender because, I do think he can stick with a lot of threes and fours, some twos on ball, and not be a total stopper, but but he'll be good. He'll be better than average, uh, but but I think he's a good off ball defender as well.
1: Yeah, and one of my things that I put about him, I actually put it as a negative because I think defensive stats are a huge indicator of kind of upside. Yeah, uh, defense and not necessarily like being good or bad in the NBA, but just how much better you can get. Defensively, um, but I mean, he didn't even average—I don't think—one combined steal and block per game, which is absurdly low. And, and there's context to it, though. Like
0: one point two combined,
1: one point. Okay, it was one point two. I mean, but yeah. it's still pretty low. Like, there's context, though. Like you said, he doesn't take risks, which can, in of itself, almost be forcing turnovers
0: by right. staying. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, one other thing that. I would mention that's kind of kind of a defensive aspect is as a rebounder. um, What I liked about him, and I think this. So I think you'll look at the the rebounding numbers and you go, okay, as a freshman, he averaged um, 5.1 boards a game. As a sophomore, he averaged 4.7. Not good numbers, especially considering Villanova didn't have a center um, and and he was almost playing that role at times defensively. He kind of played wherever they needed him to. Um, but I, I think he, he was really good at rather than shot goes up and he turns to find the ball, he did a really good job of finding his man and getting a body on him first. And I, I think that's why the rebounding numbers were down for him a bit. But give me someone who's who's a team rebounder like that any day, um, especially for, for the, a team like the Mavs, who they love to let Luka just grab the board and and go
1: yeah, and and start the offense. And he's also a good offensive rebounder too. I think, I don't know what the numbers were. It's, I think he averaged, yeah, he averaged 1.3, which is pretty impressive considering he only had 4.7 for the year.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Um, okay. So anything else on defense before we move back to the offensive side of the ball? Nope. Okay, great. So the, the first thing I want to go back to was the shot. Um, I forgot I had access to your Synergy account, so thank you. Uh, I went and looked at that. (laughs) I I don't know if you know these numbers, but in catch-and-shoot situations, (laughs) where do you think he ranked percentile-wise?
1: Given the fact that he shot 45%, I'm going to say 96th.
0: 98th 98th percentile in catch-and-shoot situation on 123 shots. Dang. That's good volume. Yeah. That's good volume. and So we're talking about an elite catch-and-shoot player. Um, The problem I have with him, and you talked about the feet are quick, but the release is not. And I saw a guy who he would catch the ball, even if he caught it, you know, in the shooting pocket, he liked to bring it down below his waist and then back up. And because of that, unless he fixes that little thing, I don't think he's a guy that you want kind of, coming off screens and pin downs and stuff like that to me he's a guy that you say you know go spot up in the corner and hit the shot when it comes to you
1: yeah yeah that is definitely uh, one thing I've seen also as a knock on him is that he's not a versatile shooter like you know Aaron Neesmith can come around and I mean he hits it around the screen there's no issue like a JJ Redick type but with Bay yeah he's a one-dimensional shooter like he can and he can also kind of shoot off the dribble uh I know you kind of I know they're kind of similar with off screens and off the dribble and how he gathers and everything, but uh I think off the dribble he'll be better than around screens. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, but but I don't love him there, and the only reason is I, I think teams are gonna realize that they don't they don't need to protect against the first step. And because of that you you can kind of crowd the shot. And if you're gonna crowd the shot then, you know, I, I don't think he has the the time to get it up, but you, you know, I could be wrong. You know, there were, there were times where even on misses, the the shot looked good coming out of his hand you know, off the dribble. So, um, but, but I I think you're right that that has a higher probability of being a positive for him. Um, Okay. So let's, let's move to his, his finishing around the basket. And I know you talked earlier a bit about his, his verticality maybe limiting him there, um, but, but talk, go a little more in depth there.
1: Yeah, so getting there is a little bit worse than actually when he's there, uh, because I think he, he's a capable post-up player. Um, I know for the year at the rim, he shot 63%. He's good at posting up, I think, and finishing out of that on smaller defenders and cutting. That's where he needs to be used as a, as a finisher, kind of like how the Mavs used Oregon Finney-Smith, honestly. Uh, yeah. I like call it round offensively. You can almost draw it up equally. Um, but he's really good at once he gets there, it's fine. It's just getting there, the process is rough. But would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, uh, I think he, he doesn't have the – I don't think he's got the first step or the ball handling skills to create the space he needs to get to the basket um but i agree like i think as a cutter and i think he's a great cutter once he has the ball around the basket i think he's comfortable finishing with either hand um again he's got the strength to kind of absorb contact um but yeah he's not going to be a guy who's going to sky up and and be a, like he's not an explosive finisher
1: right right not at all his lack of athleticism kind of makes it that he, i don't know if he ever finishes over two people you know, consistently in his career. Um, he's kind of a one-on-one finisher.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I want to quickly revisit the post game you talked about. Because one thing I wrote in my notes was I would love to see him develop like a turnaround jumper out of the post. Because I, I think, I mean, we both really like the shot. We both think the shot's going to translate. Um, but that's a way for him to shoot off the dribble uh, and, and kind of create a little bit of space without having to the the ball handling prowess um, or or the the foot speed. Um, so just just something else I'd like to see him add. Um, anything else about scoring? I think we touched on the shooting, finishing, kind of moving off ball post game. Anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I think
1: that's uh, I think that's pretty pretty well rounded on it.
0: Okay, and so I was looking at your report on him earlier, and I think we have similar um, uh, similar opinions on his passing, so why don't you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so he sees, he sees uh, over defense as well. I think that's one area he uses his height almost to his most advantage, more than shooting at times, uh, just because once he sees his screen, he's really good at reading and reacting. So I, I like his passing ability. I think it's almost underrated, as weird as that is from Villanova. Because I think he only averaged, what, two assists a game? Uh, It was... Yeah, two, two and a half. Two, two and a half, I guess, yeah. I, it's, like, fair. Um, But, I mean, I just feel like if, if you're going to see that number stay around the same in the NBA, which for someone in his role is pretty good, I would say. Uh, I don't know what, like, Dorian averages off the top of my head, but I'd imagine it's lower than two and a half. And having that, that is super valuable.
0: Yeah. So, I, I didn't think he was, like, a high-level passer or anything, but he's got a high basketball IQ and he makes, he makes the right play. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's more, he, he sees it and then he passes it as opposed to anticipating it. Um, but that's, you know, not necessarily a bad thing given his role, like you were saying, um, you know, kind of uh, put, putting the right touch on the ball and, and just making the right play. Um not a whole lot else on his passing, honestly. Like it's it's kind of cut and dry. It's <laughs> it is what it is. Because you're and not going to what... see him you're not going to see him running the pick and roll. Um, you know, you're not going to see him really running the break too often. Um, but you know, he he makes the right pass in in the course of the offense. Um, and when we kind of talk about his fit with the Mavs later on. Um, you know, I, I think that's a a really good fit for what they're doing right now.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, he's, he's patient with the ball. Like I put that in my notes is that he's patient with the ball. Like he doesn't, I don't think he makes many mistakes at all. Like that feeds into the high, high basketball IQ. And yeah, one and a half turnovers a game to two, two and a half assists is good for a wing. That's not known as a passer. Like for sure. Like on both ends, it kind of just feeds into that, um, He doesn't make mistakes. You don't say, oh, my God, what are you doing? Like, there's no awareness issues. Like, he knows what he's doing really well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anything else um, that you want to talk about regarding his his evaluation? Anything I missed?
1: No, I think that's it.
0: Okay. So, um, I don't think we talked about where we have him ranked. So, why don't you... Tell me where he's ranked and why you have him there.
1: Yeah, so I have him at 21 right now on my board. Um, I love the floor, don't get me wrong, but uh, there's a lot of that stuff that I wonder how much of it is a one-to-one or how much of it gets better in the NBA, how much gets worse. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be more than a bench three-and-D guy. Like I don't know if he's if you're I don't know if you want him starting on a team is my issue. And and I know I know it sounds a little bit harsh and you know all that, but I mean he's a super high-floor guy. Uh, and I kind of just see him staying in the NBA for 12 years, <clears throat> but like just in a limited role, uh, that kind i I don't really know how to describe that. I don't can't think of an accurate example, but he's good. It's just how good, how impactful can he be? I guess.
0: Yeah. So I actually view him in a very similar light. Um, again, I just haven't watched near the amount of players as you, so I'm going to go more off my grade. I give him a mid to late first, um, which puts him behind Desmond Bain, but ahead of Paul Reed. Yep. I know that's like a, a huge gap, though, um, <laughs> in players, um, but but I'll probably have him in the early to mid 20s range. And, I, and I, I agree with you that I, I think he's got a very defined role coming into the league, um, but I'm not sure he'll ever be able to exceed that role. Um, and I think he can kind of play the like current, like Dorian Finney Smith role in the math system. If that makes sense, like, you know, I don't think he's as good of a defender, but I think he's a better shooter. He's not as athletic, but I think he's (laughs) got a higher basketball IQ. So different players, but kind of would fit that role. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I struggle to see him finding ways to score outside of catch and shoot threes that are created by someone else or easy transition finishes um, or or just kind of an off the ball cut to the basket. Um, I, I don't really see a, a realistic avenue for him to score otherwise. And I don't think he's a difference maker as a defender to the point where I would move him up into the lottery like, Like a Devin Vassell, for example, um, who I I think I might have some similar concerns about how is he going to score, but it doesn't matter as much because I think he's he's a legit difference maker on defense.
1: Yeah, and and that kind of feeds into uh, as a nice little segue as uh, for the player comparison that I have, which uh, I think he's going to be. I have the same person as a as a comparison. It's just different versions of themselves. Uh, I see his floor as kind of post Achilles tear, Wesley Matthews, who was still a good player and like more efficient. He'll be more efficient than Dallas, Wesley Matthews. There's no chance he shoots under 40% unless he's only shooting threes. Um, but that would be just, I think that's his worst case scenario. And even then that's still a pretty nice floor in the draft. And then his best case scenario is if he proves me wrong about not being able to, you know, be an adequate defender more than like a good defender, um, I think that would be Portland Wesley Matthews is where i uh, got him as a ceiling.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of Mavs fans will kind of roll their eyes at that comparison <laughs> because we, we all remember kind of the Wesley Matthews who was, you know, taking shots away from people and just playing YOLO hero ball all the time. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's a bad comparison. Obviously Sadiq Bey is not coming in on a seventeen million dollar a year contract, like feeling like he has to make something happen. Like I understand why Wes Matthews did some of the stuff he did. But I, I totally see what you mean, just kind of a, a three and D player, um and you know, in a in a bigger body. You know, someone's yeah. more of a three four as opposed to a two three. So so I don't I don't hate that comparison. Um I didn't really have one that really came to mind, um, or if I did, I forgot it because I didn't write it down. Um,
1: I'll, I'll say Chris Middleton. I've seen that too many times, and that cannot be No, more. he he can't I've,
0: score like yeah. Chris Middleton. He can't no. score like that.
1: No, that is that is one of the most wrong takes I've seen.
0: Like that is a horrible draft comparison. <laughs> right. Um. So, so do you do you like him as a fit with Dallas?
1: Yeah, kind of like what you were saying with the Dorian role, uh, the giving and taking. I like the idea of one a defender who doesn't make mistakes and is aware of everything that's going on because too many times I've just been pissed about how little, uh, how much ball watching the Mavs do and how little attention they actually pay to you know team defensive rotations a lot. Uh, So I think he helps a lot in that regard, and the fact that you could get any of, like, there's no, when the biggest drop-off for me with the Mavs defense is when both Finney Smith and Kleba, Kleba, excuse me, are off the floor. And if you add a third player who's a capable defender, that really bolsters the, the floor of where their defense can go. And I think that's massive.
0: Totally agree because you, you don't have that feeling of like, I have to have one of these guys on the floor. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, Absolutely agree that, that he fills that role um, and just adds one more player to that kind of rotation. Um, any other teams where you go, wow, that would be a real nice fit for him?
1: Yeah, so I'd say the two teams where I could see him being taken highest and lowest, uh, which are New Orleans and Philadelphia. I think those two spots are pretty tailor-made. Uh, you know, New Orleans needs shooters and Philadelphia does, too. And New Orleans also needs defense and you can never have enough three and D. So I, I think those are the two teams that he won't get taken before either of them and he won't get taken after. Like those are the boundaries for him.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't know their draft pick situation. They may not even have one. But I think if if the Rockets found a way to land him, I think he's a perfect fit for their system because he's a guy where you say again, like we're going to let James Harden create for you. You just go stand in the corner and when he passes it to you, you make the shot and he can do that again. He 98th percentile in catch and shoot situations uh, guarded and unguarded. He was, he was super, um, super efficient. Um, so I, I think if he finds himself in a situation where he has a playmaker and, and someone who can penetrate, collapse the defense, um, and then allow him, you know, a little space to get that shot off. Um, you know, so again, I, you you mentioned uh, Philly. I think that's a that's a great fit as well with Ben Simmons running the show there. Um, okay. And da, 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 da. I think that about wraps it up. Any last words on Sadiq Bey?
1: Uh, Houston does not have a pick, unfortunately. They, part okay. of the, I, I
0: figured they did. Yeah,
1: they, they'll never have a pick unless it's an odd year. I think they have the odd years and that's it.
0: OK, um,
1: <laughs> but I, I do that. I agree with everything you said about that. So if they could, <laughs> <laughs>
0: if they found a way to make it happen. Um, OK, uh, great. So let's move to Tyrese Maxey, uh, local for, uh, for us Dallas fans. Did you end up going to see him when he was at yeah. South Garland?
1: Yeah, so I actually, <laughs> funny enough, I saw him. Versus JJ Pierce, where Drew Timmy played,
0: yeah. and
1: uh, and I thought like, I was wrong about Timmy. Uh, I thought he was just gonna be this post scorer. I was like, there's no way he works in college. And now like, Timmy's a stud. Yeah, and now now there's a legit argument who is better, him or Petrusev, which is crazy to me. <laughs> like like he's gonna be really good, and and I think Maxi was better. Uh, no, he was better. He had like 30 and 10, uh, like which was just flat out absurd uh i mean I, like i said i've only been to a few high school games i've said this in the past you were at one of the other ones with me when we saw rj yeah and, uh, well dude, we were
0: supposed to go see tyrese and rj and then i think something came up where neither of us could make it well no i i think i just forgot that it
1: happened oh. well that <laughs> it was like it was like right before like the holidays and everything in december that's and it right that's right it's me <laughs> just blended yeah, no, in He's a local kid. He's from Dallas, went to South Garland, like you said. Um, that's actually most of what I have on him. But, I mean, this kid is decorated. Like, he's done international stuff. He's been in the Nike Hoop Summit. Uh, I think he was Mr. Basketball in his senior year. He's, he was a McDonald's, All-American. I mean, he has all the accolades.
0: Yeah, so 6'3", 198, 6'6", wingspan, 19-year-old freshman, uh, 31 games. He averaged 34 and a half minutes per game shot 43% on 11 shots, uh, 29% on three and a half shots from three, but 83% from the line on four attempts per game, 14 points, four and a half rebounds, three assists, a steal, half a block per game. Um, so where, where do you want to start with uh, Maxi? Let's go with shooting again. Okay, well, so before there, is he a one or a two? He's a two. Yeah, he's a 2 and a 1's body, right? Yep. He's uh he's a I'd say I don't know if I'd rather use the word off guard
1: or combo guard for him, but he's one of those. I don't know like how to even describe what he is. He's unique. Like he's a he's a not point guard, not a shooting guard.
0: Yeah, I probably lean towards combo guard cuz I think he can do some some running of the offense and some initiating. Yes. Um but, okay, let's go back to the shot, and then, then we'll talk about that a little bit more. So, talk about the shot. Only 29% from downtown, but 83% from the line. So, a lot of times the line is a better indicator of how they're going to be as a shooter. So, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so, kind of going back to that high school game, uh, I remember seeing his shot, and I was like, there's no way this works against uh, college closeouts, even, like, just NBA-length style. And uh, I think it affected him. I think the new, you know, the deeper three-point line also made it worse. I think, you know, if you take him into last year's, like uh, the 2018-19, he probably shoots over 32 33%. Looks a little bit more respectable. But I think it shows his shot isn't necessarily ready. Uh, but he kind of needs to fix the jump shot form. It's really inconsistent. Uh, I know that's something he's been training on Instagram. I've seen it a lot is how often, how many different releases they've given him. And uh, I think if he gets the shot, though, I mean, the touch is there. Like, it's all about fixing the elbow. It's- my take on that. I don't know if you agree, disagree with that, but.
0: Uh, I actually think where, where he needs the most consistency is in the lower half um, because when he, when he tries to extend his range a little bit, he'll, he'll split his legs. And I think that that extra movement makes him a little more herky jerky up top. And it makes him have to use more. I'm using, i demonstrating for it makes perfect sense to be watching (laughs) he's he's trying to to push the ball more than shoot the ball because he's trying so hard to get it to where it needs to be because i mean you'll you'll watch some some of these deeper shots he tries to take and he'll miss bad like way long way right like like he misses bad on some of those long attempts um so i think just getting his legs more involved in the shot um, and quieting his mechanics, I think is the best way to put it. Um, but ultimately I, I, I wrote, I, I think I buy the shot. I don't think he's going to be dead eye. Um, but I could see him in the 36 to 39% range in at the NBA level. Um, cause I think the, the release is quick. Um, and I think he's a guy that can can shoot off movement a little bit, come off those screens and um, and be a threat that way. Um, so I think the scoring versatility with him is legit.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think like you said, it's about it's kind of about three years from now. This is what I would say is where we're going to see more of his true shooting form uh, or I'm sorry, true shooting. Uh, I don't want to say percentage because it's a whole different thing. <laughs> But like his, you know, his real, I would say real shooting percentage, what he, an actual indicator of what he's going to be, because um, I don't think his shot is NBA ready at all. Like, I mean, it's, I don't want him to take many shots, but I think at the end of the day, when, when he's open, you give him the green light and he can score it, like you said, different ways, different levels. Uh, I think eventually, if, like you said, if he becomes a 35% shooter from three, he's a three level score because he has the other two levels really down.
0: Yeah, no question. And I think his floater is a huge reason for both both when he works inside, but also from from mid range a little bit, um, almost like Chris Paul esque how <laughs> how he'll kind of float it from the free throw line area. Um, but it works really well for him because he's he's not really an explosive athlete. Like he's really quick, but I think when he gets inside, uh, that's that's going to be his bread and butter. I think he's going to have a harder time elevating and, and finishing at the rim at the next level.
1: See, I think, I think he'll be okay at the rim. I'm trying to pull up the numbers. Uh, My internet is being really slow. So you may see uh, connection issues again. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Let's see Tyrese. So he shot 65% at the rim, which is pretty good for a guard. Um, I do think though, that there are areas that like he tries to go reverses too much. I've seen, uh, at times where he tries to just get fancy for no apparent reason. I think that hurts him, honestly, more than the physical traits.
0: But but I actually like that he tries to be crafty oh, yeah. because I think he's going to need that. Like, like he does a lot of the, like how Kyrie will do the uh, same hand, same foot finish that, you know, as a middle school coach, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> but when I see guys like Maxie doing that, I'm like, okay, once once they get, their proper layup finishing down. Like that is something I should coach because it's so important for these guys who can't finish over the trees and who have to get crafty around the basket, throw off timing a little bit, take unorthodox angles. And he does all those things well, but I think you're right that there are times where you can get a little too fancy with it.
1: Yeah. And, and it's something like you said, I mean, it's a good thing that he's able to try it and able to even remotely pull it off because a lot of players just can't but uh just be, it's almost being smarter at the rim I would say
0: yeah for sure um anything else about the scoring that you want to talk about
1: oh, oh uh, I guess one thing I guess this kind of goes into playmaking I don't know if this is
0: almost uh foreshadowing
1: it but the first step uh is really strong yeah I really like that um
0: but yeah I mean other than
1: that that's that's pretty pretty much it
0: how, how do you think he's gonna how do you think he's going to do as an off ball scorer? Like if he has to play in the backcourt with a true point guard, how, how is that going to work? So uh, I think he moves well off the ball.
1: Yeah. Uh, They they ran him
0: off of like a lot of pin downs. And, and I think, I think he can do it at the next level.
1: Yeah. And they ran one of the most, I mean, Kentucky always, you know, caters to the NBA. They know, they know who they have. And uh, I think, for sure. That's what I was gonna say is he's a he's a for sure cutter, uh primary. I think that most of his scoring is gonna be someone else generates it. Um unless if he if he's not going to the basket. Uh or right. driving, excuse me. But I think that's where he's gonna get a lot of his points. It's just finishing at the rim, near the rim, you know, ten feet and in almost.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um okay, so let's let's talk about the playmaking. Uh one thing that surprised me, only two point two turnovers a game. Uh which considering how often he had the ball in his hands, I like those numbers quite a bit.
1: Yeah, and I think that feeds into one of my key notes I have on mine is that he's a he has really strong playmaking instincts. Like he doesn't make bad decisions, I would say. Uh generally he's pretty composed. He's not he doesn't panic to double teams, things like that. Uh, he reacted to the zone really well. So I I think that actually, like you said, um, I mean he's a the turnovers like the lack of turnovers for a freshman is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, and and so talk about him a bit in the in the pick and roll game because I think that's going to be a, a an important area for him.
1: Yeah, so I haven't seen really much on swinging one way or the other, saying like oh he's going to really thrive here or he's just going to be a failure here, and I haven't seen. I, I lean towards he thrives there because I haven't seen any terrible decision making out of the pick and roll. Uh, I have from other backcourt members at, at Kentucky that I'm not going to name, but but Maxi I think is pretty composed and probably the best pick and roll runner from that team that had three point guards.
0: Yeah. Um, so what, what about his passing do you like?
1: So uh, finding cutters finding cutters is huge. And I think he's really good. I think he's even better at finding shooters, uh, which in the NBA, I mean, if you can get the shooter first, that's, that's a win. Uh, and I think having that is just so important in today's NBA.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm kind of reading my notes at the same time to make sure <laughs> I'm, I'm remembering everything right. Um, but I wrote that he puts good touch on his passes, but doesn't necessarily anticipate it. Um, And I said he lacks playmaking skills of a true lead guard. Um, However, I think he's more than capable of being that secondary ball handler, which I guess kind of goes back to that initial question I posed of, um, you know, can he can he be an off the ball scorer, Um, or Or, what is? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anything else offensively? that you want to
1: talk about regarding Maxie? Uh, I think we covered actually
0: almost all of the offensive notes I had. Okay, great. So defensively, um, like him, not like him, where do oh, yeah. you stand?
1: Yeah, this is this is the area where he wins me over and being, I think this is the area or uh, the reason why he's a top 20, top 15 prospect. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible Uh Defense that he plays, especially given his size. I mean, he's a bulldog. I would say, uh, a non-stop motor. It just all the check boxes are checked. All the boxes. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, man.
0: <laughs> all the boxes are checked. Not the check. <laughs> Even the unchecked boxes are checked. <laughs> um, but no, I totally agree with you. Um, doesn't back down from a challenge. I think he can guard ones and twos comfortably. Um, You know, he's a guy who fights over the screens. Um, You know, he he doesn't gamble, but he's opportunistic. Right. So like he likes to pounce when when his opponent makes a mistake. But I think otherwise he's he's very sound as a as an on ball defender. Uh, And I think he rotates well uh, as a team defender off the ball as well.
1: Yeah, he he's a really good team defender. That's a huge strength of his as well beyond the on-ball defense. Uh I mean, you see him you see with three point guards it's kind of hard to, I think to especially at Kentucky like in college it's hard to pull that off on defense and he's the reason it worked.
0: Yeah, and and he almost took it upon himself to be like like the the leader of of the defense, calling out where people need to be Um, normally something we'll see the, the big man do. Um, but he's, he's very vocal, very active, uh, as an off ball defender stays engaged. Um, I I really like him as a defender. I think he's going to be a plus in that area, despite his physical limitations.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a day one winner, uh, area of his is the fact that he's not going to back down. And like, I mean, he still needs to add a lot of strength. I think, um, and I mean, he's he's able to lock up any of them. I mean, the SEC was one of the most loaded NBA uh, pros- with with NBA prospects, excuse me. Uh, and he held his own 20.
0: What role, if you were drafting Maxi, you know, you were the coach of a team, what role would you put him in?
1: Yeah, so I think the defensive specialist is almost where I would label him. Uh, almost a Patrick Beverly type where it's defense first. And then if you're able to, you know, run the offense and hit some open threes, that's a bonus at that point. I think the defense is going to be his day one uh, impact. But I think down the road, if you're getting a combo guard who is capable, really, I mean, combo guard kind of uh, gets it all. You're able to do both off ball and on ball uh, be important there. And then defensively, I mean, I think he can guard up to the three. So if you can if you can get someone who's switchable like that uh, in a league where guards dominate guards and wings dominate this league I think that's what you have to put him as uh, for the first little bit while he still refines the rest of his game.
0: Okay, I like that. I, I think I would I would kind of do something similar. Um, I I probably bring him off the bench and be like, all right, you're my bucket getter, um, but I also want you to to lock someone, like, bring him in late in the game to lock someone up. Right. Um, but I want to give him those opportunities to score against kind of the, the second units first, because I think he could feast there as a three-level scorer. Um, but anyway, I think I forgot, again, to ask you where he's ranked on your big board. So <laughs> where where do you have him?
1: Yeah, so I've got Maxi at 12 is where I have him on mine. Where do you have him on yours? Thirteen. Wow, this is you know what I didn't know we were dropping the gloves today, but we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's thirteen too low for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is this is outright outrageous. My my people will be contacting your people.
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, so, do you have a um a comparison that you like?
1: So I had an epiphany while we were talking uh, that I wrote down. So I originally – I kept – I, like, started this note page. uh, I've lost track of time. Whenever I saw him in high school, uh, whenever that may have been, I don't even know where we are in time right now. Uh, And originally I put, like, okay, this guy plays, like, on offense. He plays, like, Sexton. And at the time, this player that I'm about to throw out, the Mavs fans are going to kill me. He played – this guy was playing good defense until, you know, he got traded, which was Dennis Smith Jr. uh, on that end. Okay. Okay. Similar. Similar. Not like one to one, but they had shades of both. Uh, but I actually have a way better, more well-rounded comparison, which is Mark Markelle Fultz.
0: Okay. Okay. That that's an interesting one.
1: Yeah. Like I said, it dawned on me ten minutes ago. I haven't I haven't exactly uh, thought this one <laughs> super far out, but I like the idea that I mean I personally think Fultz can coexist with a shooting, uh, point guard that leads the offense as well, can lead the offense, excuse me. Um, I kind of see the same with Maxie. Yeah, I think he's a he's a really good creator for himself and others, but you don't want him being your only uh, ball handler, kind of the only guy who can run the offense because of the shooting limitations right now. Uh, that's kind of where I see him as. But plus defense,
0: like they're both amazing defenders. Yeah, so, so what do you think is his, what team do you think is his best fit?
1: So, it's hard to say because, <laughs> I mean, a lot of the lottery teams don't need guards, actually, I don't feel like. Even though it's a guard-heavy area, it's not super dependent on needing a guard for a lot of these teams. Maybe Phoenix, I would say, low-usage guard, would be good there next to Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's one place I really like him. I know a lot of them want Tyrese Halliburton, the wrong Tyrese. <laughs> uh <laughs> But I think, like, having that high usage guard next to him is a perfect complimentary uh, piece for him.
0: Okay. Um, so if he were to fall to 18, do you like that fit in Dallas?
1: So it kind of goes with what I just said. So, I like, with having that high usage guard, theoretically, I mean, think about how much the Mavs needed, or excuse me, how much people wanted the Mavs to need Patrick Beverly last year. Um, I mean, if you get, I mean, you know, I, I threw out the name Patrick Beverly while we were in the breakdown and like, I think that can only help Luca, and kind of goes in with what, what we said about Sadiq Bay, where if you have three of these super capable defenders at any given time, it makes the Mavs four better on defense. Uh, so it kind of applies to him too.
0: Yeah, I actually think it'd be a phenomenal fit. Um, and I, I think I tweeted out earlier, um, you know, a few days ago, that it, it's becoming obvious to me that the Mavericks need a a secondary initiator um, to take some of the load off of Luca, and I think Maxi could be that guy, someone who who can be a secondary initiator, but but is a scorer too, like someone who Luca says, you know what, someone else go score the ball, and Porzingis can do that at times. But Porzingis, I think, is more – you get more out of him when he can kind of, um, you know, take advantage of mismatches and things like that, where, whereas I think you bring in a guy like Maxi, who, again, I'm buying the shot, maybe not right away, but but eventually I think it's going to get there. So a guy who could be a three-level scorer, but also a guy who can defend the best ball handler on the floor for the opposition. Um and I know I said in a perfect world I would bring him off the bench and let him kind of run that second unit, but in a way I think you replace Seth in the starting lineup with Maxi, and then you let Seth feast on those second units, and and you have the defender that you need with um, you know in Maxi in there um, with Finny Smith and Porzingis. Wait I mean, wait, wait. Uh,
1: just for our audience, which Maxi do you need? Which Maxi? Both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I on I don't know. I forgot so what easy. I was saying. I blacked out.
1: No, you were saying how like the the combination of taking out Seth of the starting lineup and having Maxi, uh, Tyrese Maxi, be the yes. be the the dirty work guy. And not to interrupt you, but would you say that say the Mavs move on from DeLon Wright? Do you think he'd be a per like almost? Because in my head, I think he's perfect. Do
0: you think he'd be he'd, almost a he'd perfect? He'd be what they man? wanted DeLon Wright to
1: yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. That's. Because they have almost identical games. You know, they both love getting to the rim offensively and creating for others. Those are their two biggest strengths, but they're not strong shooters. And then the defense, I mean, DeLon Wright was supposed to be a great defender. He kind of turned out to be okay. Not bad, but just okay. And if you can get DeLon Wright without the, uh, how do I put this nicely, I guess the chemistry misfits, uh, and I think that's a win, right? Like, you would, would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, One last fun fact about Maxie is uh, Richard and I were debating between a couple players on, on who we were going to discuss today. And so I, I turned to my girlfriend and I said, okay, I want you to pick one of these three names. And she's the one who chose Tyrese Maxie. So
1: (laughs) she knew he's turned (laughs) down.
0: I don't know. She, she said, because it sounds the most like McKenzie. And I said, Okay. (laughs) Uh, one
1: day one day Cincinnati is going to have a prospect,
0: and we'll talk about one for her. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, okay, so I think that wraps Tyrese Maxey, and I think we have a little bit of time uh, to hit a few mailbag questions. I think we got five or six here, uh, so we'll, we'll just run through them all real quick. Sound good? Yeah, go for it. All right, so Sam asks, strictly talking potential, who's the highest upside guy that the Mavs could or would realistically take at 18 that's not Poku
1: so there's three guys I would throw out here um I would start with Theo Maladon from I want to say Germany uh France. Germany or France dang I always get those two mixed up I think he ah that that is killing me I always I always get that mixed up um I would say him I think he's really raw uh but has all the physical tools plus I buy the shot so someone like him would be uh the high play upside pick Patrick Williams, I think is realistic. Uh, Jared, would you say that's unrealistic or
0: I don't think it's unrealistic. If he gets there, he's, he's the obvious choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Then I'll keep him. And then I'll say Josh green as the third uh, who may or may not have uh, been one of those guys you alluded to.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I did. Um, Okay. I like those. Um, I think if Maxi gets there, he's in that conversation. Um, Maybe a wild card would be like Bulmaro, like a real wild card. Um, Okay, good question, Sam. Uh, We'll go to Grant, who said Stam stole stole his question. So then he (laughs) says, which pick do you think is more likely to be traded, and who would you want with the one we keep? So, Jared, why don't you go first on this one? I, I would imagine... I mean, 18 is the more valuable piece. Um, so I would imagine if you're getting anything of substance, you're probably using both picks. But if you're able to to do a package just consisting of one to get anything of substance, it would be 18. So then at that point at 31, I mean, I would pray for an NBA-ready guy like Desmond Bain. Yeah. Because um, sure. I think... <laughs> Again, I, I think I just think the league is criminally underrating him, and I might be wrong. Um, that that may just be kind of the uh, you know one one section of of media, um, but that would that would be my you know pie in the sky dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't say uh, mine is any different. I completely agree. By the way, eighteen hundred percent is the one to go, uh, especially because of the guaranteed contract versus thirty one you can, I think it's, you can negotiate contract, right? I think so. Yeah. And so I think that is valuable. And I think as teams get more and more stingy with everything that's going on right now, um, and the, you know, financial losses that are expected, I think 31 probably stays. And then you just kind of go from there.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think Josh green is a guy who gets the 31. No chance. But, no chance. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thunder Dustin asks, "What's the single biggest improvement Porzingis can make in his game to help take the Mavericks to the next level?"
1: So I say inside scoring. Um, I mean, before the hiatus, I think he was shooting below 40%. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I mean that's just he's really good at what he does. Don't get me wrong, and he's like a borderline All-Star caliber player even doing that. But if he can up his field goal percentage up to like 45, I mean, close, the closer to 50 the better. That's his biggest. Uh, thing he can do, because the shot is there. That's going to be most of what lowers his field goal percentage, just because the nature of it. Uh, But I think if he can, I don't want to say drive better, uh, but just overall score better at the
0: basket. I think that
1: would be a huge uh, step forward for him.
0: I agree. I think there are times where um, he has the mismatch, he tries to seal, and then he kind of settles for a turnaround jumper 10 feet from the basket when I'd like to see him you know take take one or two dribbles to back the guy in and and maybe just shoot a little baby hook um i would agree but otherwise i think you look at how he's played in the bubble he's already taken his game to another level averaging like what 26 and 10 right now oh 30 huh i think he was 30 right was he i think he was a 30 point score okay i'll take your word for that um and I, I think the defense is already where it needs to be, to, uh, to be honest. Um, all right. Houstonian Sports, uh, who will be responsible for taking the keys away from the Suns? I'm sure they will do something stupid again at the draft. <laughs> hey the only, <laughs> the
1: only thing they can do stupid, in my opinion, is uh, is honestly trading out of the draft, because this we talked about it kind of like I said, there aren't a t- I don't feel like there's a ton of teams in the lottery that need. The guard, uh, there's probably three or four, just a handful. Phoenix, I think, is one of them, though. I mean, Rubio is not a long-term long-term option. You know, he's not a building block. And I think if you have a chance to get someone next to Booker, I mean, Booker is only still 24, 23, something like that. I mean, he's younger than Cam Johnson, who was their lottery selection last year. <laughs> like, wow. if you get somebody to perfectly complement him, that's the only way. I mean, you can't not have that in this draft. Like, this is tailor-made for their needs. So, I think if they get best player available, they're fine. There you go.
0: They could always hire Vlade Divac. He's on the hey, open. I'm
1: available too. So.
0: <laughs> no, we need you in, in Dallas. Fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, two more from Marvin. With picks 18 and 31, who would you take for the Mavs if the roster stays the same, but you need immediate impact next to Luka? So we're ruling out, you know, the the draft and stash guys and, kind of the the G League, you know, projects. Um, So you need immediate impact. Where are you going? So with 18, I think you
1: get, I think you kind of do a give and take with these two picks. You get one area that's a strength and the other area for the, that's a strength for the other guy's weakness kind of thing. So I'll go Josh Green to 18, comes in and is that defensive specialist, automatic impact. Uh, Now 31, I would take someone that's a shooter. uh, If Desmond Bain is there, I know we always say him uh but like elijah hughes from syracuse is another guy all-around offensive guy decent defender but i feel like they could play really well off of each other uh those two guys i'd, I'd say those are my picks
0: okay um yeah i'm gonna not say desmond Bain this time i'll say i'll say Sadiq bay would would be a guy who i think could come in right away and crack the rotation um at 31 I think it's tough to find someone who's who's going to be really ready to go at 31 unless something crazy happens uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking through I don't want to just steal your your guy <laughs>
1: I'm I um,
0: taking the good stuff <laughs> I don't know maybe Jordan Laura yeah he was one of them I was thinking too that, uh, I mean oh, Z- Xavier Tillman please there you go Xavier <laughs> Tillman All right, last one from Isaac. Do you think the Mavs will try to package their 18 and 31 for a top five pick? I think if they could, they would.
1: Yeah, I don't think top five is realistic, but I think for a lottery pick this year, I think it's very possible. Uh, I mean, looking at some of the teams that need, uh, that have picks and need the picks, uh, say Cleveland, for example, falls to, I think their lowest they can get is six, right? If they trade Mm -hmm. back for, say, nine or 10, they could easily go again and keep getting these assets, like I think they're a team that needs to go all out this year in the draft of finding these complementary pieces. Uh, um, so something like that, I mean if weird stuff weird stuff has happened, uh Washington, I think nine is the most the highest they can go, uh, but I would say keep in mind those eleven to fourteen or fifteen teams that's where I think that return gets you,
0: yeah, I'm trying to look and see the last time uh a top five pick was traded for something that wasn't like a stud player or just like moving around elsewhere in the top five, it really doesn't happen. Um, I don't think it gets you there. I think it'd be much more likely that they package those two picks to try and grab another player. Like um, if Buddy Heald really is on the open market, you know, I think that's a guy you go, okay, 1831, Seth Curry, Jalen Brunson, whatever, you know, start that conversation. Um, otherwise, I think you're you're just you hang on to those picks and, and you you continue to build that rotation. And then when that third star becomes available, um, you know, you maybe have some pieces to go get them.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. <laughs>
0: um, so that wraps the mailbag and that I think just about wraps the episode. Anything that uh that you want to part with? No, I appreciate everybody's questions. Yeah, me too. Uh, a lot more fun when we can answer some questions as well, mix things up a little bit. So, uh, again, we're recording this on uh, August 16th. Um, probably not going to have it up before the Mavs series starts against the Clippers. Um, but if we do, that's great, I guess. Um, <laughs> but go Mavs. Best of luck to them going into this series. Um you know, I, I think we'd all love to see them steal a couple games, um, but just the fact that a, a team that two years ago we were like, okay, we're building around Dennis Smith, and you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> you know, and two years later, we're we're in the playoffs with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis um, makes you smile.
1: Makes Dude, you smile. I, one last thing, and I have a mailbag question for you, for myself, real quick at the end. I, I just thought of, but. For for the listeners, uh, so Jared and I, he was there for my first map draft draft. Actually, I was I was there at his place. I guess is what I should say. <laughs> where uh, anxiously we anxiously got to number eight, and Frank Aquino went, and I was like, oh man, they probably are going to get Dennis Smith, but I mean, if you remember this, Donovan Mitchell, like you, you kept hyping me up for Donovan Mitchell, like he could happen, it, it could happen. I was not ready for it to happen. It didn't happen. Uh, it's crazy though, like how far we've come from that where. Like we thought, like you said, Dennis Smith was not a building block like some people uh, thought he would be. Uh, but I guess my my question I was going to say was, did you expect the Maps to make the playoffs this year? Like, did they exceed yes. direct? expectations?
0: I I expect. I thought they were good enough to make the playoffs. Um. So I think they met expectations. Yeah. Um. But but I I didn't expect them to make a run. They're just not ready for that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind Which of just fine. Yeah, of course. Like they're young. Like they're such a young team. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it was like I expected them to be the nine seed. So <laughs> they've clearly <laughs> crossed my mind. <laughs>
0: um, but I but I expected them to get there differently. I thought Porzingis was going to be more of a factor earlier, and I did not expect Luca to be an MVP candidate. Yeah. Um, so. weeks. I get literally took two weeks into the season
1: that Lakers game when he had the 30, 10, 10, like that was it. That was the game. (laughs) Um,
0: But all right, we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, Find Richard on Twitter at Mavs draft. You can find me at Jared underscore cats 30. Um, Stay safe out there and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.